You're listening to All to Play For, brought to you by Joe and Coral. Welcome to All to Play For, brought to you by Joe and Coral. As always, I'm joined by my guy, JC. Joe, how are you doing, boss? Yes, big man. I'm dangerously well. How are you? Dangerously well. Mate, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're dangerously well. I'm, I'm surviving, Joe. I mean, you look... Okay. Every week, you look more and more like a Hollywood superstar. I know. I'm coming home, t- I'm coming home tomorrow, big man. Um, I've had a great time. I was lucky to get away. I see it every week. I don't want to, you know, gloat because everyone's back at home and that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back there in, in the cold with you next week, mate. Joe, Hopefully we'll have a better connection. Joe with the glow. That's what you got there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, today, Joe, we've got a great, great lineup. We're going to be talking thrashings after that ridiculous 9-0 between Man United and Southampton. We're going to talk about did Ronaldinho mean to lot David Seaman in the 2002 World Cup. And an inside story of one of the greatest goals ever scored in the Premier League. And to talk about that, we need to bring in an absolute legend of the game. Someone I love. He's a cracking lad. They call him Tricky Trevor Sinclair. Boom! Trev, how you doing, boss? Tom, brilliant to, brilliant to be here. And I, I actually have to say, it just reminds me of living in Essex, listening to you two. And it brings back happy <laughs> memories. <laughs> Whereabouts in Essex did you live when you lived there, Trev? I was in Epping. I loved it. I went to Chigwell first and we got burgled. Both my cars got nicked. <laughs> yeah, standard. Standard procedure. How did you, when you were at West Ham together, how was it together? Like, Because, I mean, for me as a West Ham fan, like it's such a bittersweet memory of you two because it was one of the best teams I've ever seen play when you played together. But obviously one of the most, almost like the harshest of times that, that, that season, the relegation... You know what? What an amazing team it was. I mean, what was what was first thing for you two? You playing together? Yeah, how did you both get on as playing together? It was. It was. Listen, we. we I was very fortunate when I was at West Ham because not only Joe but Michael Carrick, Defoe. There were so many amazing youngsters. Even Frank and Rio. You know, were in and around that same period of time, and um, it, you just seen the talent, and you could see they were going to be successful. A lot of them, Joe included, ended up being like you know icons of our game um, in the in the noughties and and did superbly well, won everything in the game. But when you see them coming as a youngster, it's not so much the talent; it's the work ethic and the way they, they conduct, conduct themselves. Um, and to be fair, it probably made me become a bit more professional as well because I've obviously enjoyed the um, era before when Joe came through, where it was a lot more socialising, going out on the on the lash with the boys and that. And then you feel a little bit like. I've got a responsibility to to make sure I train well uh, and someone for the boys, the young boys coming through to look up to. So it probably helped me become more professional and grow up a little bit. It's because it's, it's a weird one to to talk about that that time at West Ham for you, like to you both. It's like because I remember like we, you know, we finished set seventh in two thousand and two, and so coming into two thousand and three, you got the likes of Joe, you got Michael Carrick, you got these guys coming through, Jermaine, yourself, Trev, sort of the older pros. I remember 2003 thinking, "Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna absolutely tear it up yeah. this year." You, you know, it, how, like, how do you? I mean, how do you? When you look back at that time and, and us getting relegated, what do you think was the principal reason that, that that happened? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think we didn't start well. Yeah, and um, I think that was one of the main reasons for that. For me personally, was coming off the back of that World Cup, you're on such a high. 
and and you, you know it was for me it was successful because at the end of the day I was a 24th man out of a 23 man squad and I ended up playing four yeah. games in the World Cup so you come back I think I only had two weeks off I went to the south of France come back thought I want to get going again I'm buzzing like I love football but mentally I didn't realise how drained I was and it took me a while personally to get going I think that could have applied to the other lads Joe and, and Jamo who were in the squad as well uh, but not only that I think Glenn Roder was our manager then he came in he had some new ideas and I just don't think it worked well. We loved him as a coach, but when he made that step up to becoming manager of West Ham, he really struggled. And then we, we found out that Glenn got ill. He, he had, a, I think he had a, a, a brain tumour. So he got taken out of the equation. And then I think when Trevor Brooking came in just after Christmas, we got on a run. And, you know, we, we got 42 points um, Tom, yeah, yeah. and went down. But I think if we could have started anything like when, when Trevor Brooking came in, I think we would have been fine and we probably would have been very safe um, it's just a combination of too many things it was a real disappointment for me not to, not just to get relegated but not to be able to stay at the I say not be able to stay at the club I could have stayed at the club but they got a, got a, an offer from Manchester City and that would have been my kind of last opportunity to play for the club that I supported as a kid so it was probably the only club I would have left West Ham to go to in that situation but I really wanted to stay you know, as soon as the, the final whistle went and I knew we were relegated, I really wanted to stay and say, right, I'm here, I want to get this club back into the Premier League. I agree with you, Trev, 100%. Like, uh, there was so much, it was like, the, so many little things kept going wrong during the season. I, f- I felt we was we was left short at the start of the season, you know, where we only had Freddie, Paolo uh, and Jermaine as forwards and we played a 4-4-2. And then... Um, you know, Glenn was telling me he, he, he was trying to get Didier Drogba. What a signing that would have been through the door. Wow. Do you know, like, like genuine, uh, the club didn't want to pay the money or whatever it was. And then, and then he wanted Les at the start of the season as backup. And he didn't get him till January. And all these little things add up. And we ended up going, uh, I think, two or two months where we didn't have a centre forward. And we played with Ian Pierce, who He was a fantastic player for West Ham and a great lad um, up front. And, and Trev played up front he'd done a good job but then we missed him in the midfield because of what he give and then um, it just seemed to be we'd lose like you said there was a little hangover of players and it just everything went wrong but we still got 42 points yeah. which would probably get you closer to Europe nowadays yeah. than getting relegated do you know yeah. what I mean in the way that it's structured so it was a freak season and, and, and you're right Tom and Trev I think leading up that we was exciting to watch we got yeah. we got our asses spanked a couple of times because we were so open but we had so many good players when it worked we it, it worked really well and you you go back to like thinking about west ham fans why they they loved that team why they resonated with that team was because you sort of know through them 20 years you, we wasn't going to threaten the league so you go to upton park and they wanted to be entertained and they wanted to watch and that they certainly was you know paolo trevor Great players, Harry on the sidelines. You know, you felt like anybody could turn up at West Ham and play at that time. You know, it was anything was possible. So, I love that team, and it broke my heart the day we got relegated because mm. it, you know, it really did. It took me, it took me weeks, weeks to just even just let it just filter in. Do you know what I mean? It was a horrible time, and uh, mm. yeah, it broke up, and, and yeah, that was the beginning and the end as well for that squad, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lads that were on decent dough ended up getting sold, and then it was almost like a rebuilding time for West Ham. I mean, you're talking about relegations, and and obviously, you know, both of you going down that season. And it, I mean, it must be it's it's, it's got to be the hardest thing in football, right? Leaving the Premier League, and it's it's a tough 
tough thing. I mean, when you look at it now and you look at Sheffield United now and being 10 points away and, and sort of in a similar position almost to West Ham. That, you know, last season they were incredible. They were a joy to watch. They mm. tough to beat. And then this season, you know, they're 10 points adrift. You know, what, do you think they can get out of that? What, what's your thoughts, both of you, on that? Yeah, I think I think the manager's been different class. You know, he's a realist. I think the boys all believe in his methods. And um, I just think they're a little bit underwhelmed and they've not got probably the talent to get out of it. Although they're having a good goal, they've, got, they've had a few wins uh, of recent times and they've got a bit of momentum. I was at the game at Old Trafford and everyone stuck to their tasks. They looked like they had energy. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of belief about them. But I just think they'll, they'll fail just about because they've just not got that bit of quality, especially in forward positions. They, they lack goals. But I don't think it'll be a problem for Sheffield United because I think they've not overspent. Um, I think they'll probably go down and then they'll probably bounce back because I think the manager's top draw. And uh, but I do feel it's a lot different. I went I, I went down with QPR. Yeah, I mean, that was a, that was another good side though. Yeah, it wasn't no, it wasn't no Tom because they sold down Peacock who was the centre half and yeah. he was like you know the top man at the back and they sold Les Ferdinand. Yeah, and I actually put mm. a transfer request in because I I could see it coming. They're selling yeah. the best talent and bringing in players. Listen, love love the players that came in, but they weren't the same quality. They didn't offer the same skill set and the same performance. And I knew that we... But I was young at the time and I thought, well, this is the club letting the, the fans down and the players. Whereas when it happened at West Ham, it hit me a lot harder because I was an experienced player. I thought we had enough talent to stay up that year. Mm. And because of the bad start we got, we just give ourselves too big a mountain to climb to get ourselves out of it. I mean, is that the same as Sheffield United now? I suppose that they they started to play well, they started to pick up some wins, they started to play a bit. But is it too little? Is it too late now? Your temper. I think it's too late, but I think it's desperation, isn't it? It's pride. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't want to be associated with that. And, and listen, Joe. You know what he achieved in the game. He'll still look back at that relegation. It's probably one of the most yeah. disappointing seasons of his life. Yes, yeah, and one of the it's the hardest hardest um, hardest day in my football career for sure. Yeah. That day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've lost cup finals before, and that's tough. But that, because especially I was captain at the time, Tom, as well, mm, yeah. and and I did, you know, I, I shed tears, not in public, but it g- genuinely hurt me. I remember just just being in a, a daze for for a few weeks afterwards, you know, because I thought, and, I, and listen, like, it's mad, things, things go through your head, like, I didn't want to go back. My mum and dad, I was living with my mum and dad at the time, and I was in uh, Romford, uh, Gideon Park, and I didn't want to go back. I was on holiday and I was like, right, I need to move out of the area. I was looking at houses away from where I was living. Wow. Like, because I was like, I can't face like going to the petrol station. Cause yeah. Well, and and I've, I, I, I talked to Stevie G about it on a much higher level at Liverpool because being captain of Liverpool is, is, is a, is a different level Oof. of intensity for, and yeah. for a local lad. But like, I had a fraction of that at that time and, and the, 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 the guilt you feel. And um, for, for 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 the club and, and and fans get on players' backs a lot for for that. And there is some players who are mercenary, but I think the majority of us, Trev, I think it it does hurt, doesn't it? Do you yeah, know what I mean? You definitely, do, you do feel it. And I think that listen, I think that feeling that you was having, I think we all had that, and I think that represented that kind of time at West Ham. There was a relationship between the fans and the players. Yeah. They knew we were, like you said earlier, Tom, they knew we weren't going to win the league, but it was that West Ham way, entertain, give everything when you cross that line uh, for the shirt. And, you know, it's an old saying, but, you know, people, if you play for the badge on the front of the shirt, people remember the, the name on the back. And I, there's not a true yeah. word said in my opinion. No, yeah, it's no. a big thing that well I, th- I think, I think that's the thing that, you know, I look back at that team and I think, you know, people, people did sort of get in there, but they got stuck in. I mean, th- 
the other, you talk about harsh days and it, the, I look at like, you know, we, we're doing this on a Wednesday night and yesterday, obviously it was Man United Southampton and, and Southampton, let me say, by the way, when we're playing played them this season, I thought they were incredible at the back. With the game against Liverpool, I thought, well, yeah, it's one of the performances of the season defensively with what they, what they had. And then yesterday, I'm like, wow, like 9-0, you know, mm. I mean, I've looked at both of your worst losses. Uh, yeah, both, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, well both, yeah, both of you were, I think, there with West Ham, right? And, you know, yeah. The thrashings there with that, uh, West Ham. But how, as a player, right, that, that, a 9 0, and for some of those guys, that's the second time this has happened, and because they were involved probably in the Leicester game, I imagine. How, how is that? How does that rate as a, how, how do you pick yourself up the next day when you've, when you've been <laughs> hiding like that? Do you remember the Trev? Do you remember the one um, in the cup at Old Trafford, the six-one? Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Like that was brutal because that they took that could have been that could have been ninety-nine, yeah, let alone nine. Yeah. You know, and 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 there's just soul searching that goes on at half. I remember half time Gary Breen, honest as the days long as a player, just just like lost, just went, oh, just stood up and went, oh, I'm not cut out for you know. This is an Ireland international mm. that just done was performing at the World Cup, and he's like. He just lost his head. He was like, I'm not good enough at this level. I cost three goals, goals today. Uh, and you know, you can see the, the pain in him because mm. of the, it's an embarrassing as a footballer when you get is, yeah. beat like that. And it happens to, to not to say everyone, but it happens to most of us, 99.9%. And like, Brini was just like, I remember just saying, just put my arm around him and just think, and I was a young, so I was like, listen, don't worry about it. It happens, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it does. It just happens. And then some days it's the worst, it's the loneliest place to be in the world. You're surra- you could be at Old Trafford in front of 75,000 people and you just, you just want to, uh, something to just take, you know, take you away and just get away from it. It's horrible. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite, I'm a bit different because I've, you know, I played um, quite young um, in the England squad when I went to Little Shore. And I'm, I'm kind of, um, you know what? They're way better than us. And I'm looking at my teammates. I'm quite harsh because I'll yeah. think, right, I've got a job to do. But then yeah. I look around at my teammates and I think, we are. We're in <laughs> shit street here. <laughs> and if it happens, I think, you know what? I think the, one, one of the games, Glenn brought me off after about 60, 70 minutes. He almost like hung me out to dry. You're not doing your job. But I'm, yeah. looking, at the, I'm looking at the manager's tactics. I'm thinking, he wants us to press, but he wants them to sit deep. I'm not buying into this. So as a, as a manager, and this yeah. is how I coach now, I, I think if you can sell an idea to the players and they all buy into it, you've got a chance. Mm. When he sold that idea to me that we've got a press, but if they get through that press, then we sit deep. It's too, too big a gaps. So mm. I knew it weren't going to... And sometimes we'd talk to each other, wouldn't we, and say, mm. he wants us to press, but half go and then just sit in because we've got no mm. chance because they're passing it too fluidly and yeah. all the rest of it. Um, so after that game, I was like, I, one, we got smashed. Two, I got dropped. And I think I got dropped for the next couple of games. I think, all right. I'll just go to the gym. I'll work hard. I'll show you in training by being the best player. And this is when I see players in the, like, the down tools and they think, ah, oh, I want to leave and all this. I think, grow up, man. Take responsibility for that shit performance. You know what I mean? Get in the gym, do extra work, do extra training, whatever you need to do to make your performance good enough. To, so the manager literally goes, we have to play him because he's embarrassing the lads in training. And that's, what I, that's how I take it ab- aboard myself to, to change things. I, but I some players do yeah. feel sorry for themselves. Yeah, you, I remember. Do you know what, Trev? Like... This is, that's unthinkable now. Like to 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 think that that you got dropped a couple of times in that season, didn't you? Yeah. By the gaffer, like, and you think like what you was for us as a player, like you know. And I think if I'd have been a senior player and and been able to speak to the gaffer, they'd gone like, "Gaffer, come on." Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we can't li- like Trev was clearly one of our best players, and he got left. You know, but that's the kind of madness of that season. I think I, I remember watching that game in a pub. 
the, the six nil. And, and wish I was with you. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. <laughs> but it's 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 like a really like it's a really weird thing to sit and watch a team being smashed like that and just yeah. really like I think it, yeah I've had it, there's been a few of those over the years. I think Joe played another one years later against City actually. Mm. Weirdly. And I just yeah. remember sitting there just think you sit there and you're like this is you're so not at the races. Like, genuinely, mm-hmm. it makes you go, this is, I don't know if I can even like football anymore now. Because also, yeah, you know, there's yeah. a good chance you'll never do mm. that. As You'll never be mm. a West Ham fan sitting there going, oh, yeah. we'll match so-and-so 9-0. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, how, because yeah. Joe, you've been on the other side of it. Like, yeah. I think it was Wigan, you beat Wigan. Eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea. I've had a couple of, we've, we, we, we smashed a few teams at Chelsea every now and then. And it's, uh, yeah, the flip of the coin in it it's like uh, do you know what annoyed me in them games what annoyed me in them games because as a player I always went and got them the, one of the things was I always wanted the ball where yeah. any game anywhere right from a young kid right to my last game and when you think annoyed me about them games wouldn't be smashing teams and I'm seeing lads doing olays and all that I'm like listen when we was playing Barcelona and Bayern Munich mate you was like <laughs> The hollow man, Kevin Bacon, couldn't find them. Do you know what I mean? Move a pass, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And now you want to get up and you know there was there was a few of them, them players about, mate. And that sort of so them things were. I love them games, like every player would. But it's always tinged with a little bit. I'd look at people sometimes in the dressing room afterwards, and I think, what like. Can you name any names here, Joe? No, I can't name names, big man. Come on, mate. Just, listen, get them under the bus. Do you not? Yeah, I would. There's a part of me, right, that would. It sounds really like, but would you not? I'd feel sorry for people. Like, if you that's me, Tom. If you feel if you're giving someone a hiding that badly, and like you're sort of six nil up, and you, you're doing our ladies or like little flick ups yeah. and stuff, I'd feel I wouldn't be able to look those people in the eye again. Like, as yeah. you're leaving the pitch, I'd feel like having to yeah. walk around going, I'm sorry for that. That just feels like too much. That's probably why you weren't a footballer because we're all nasty <laughs> like, bastards, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, Do you know what I mean? No, I mean you're I too nice, that, mate. You're I think lack nice. of any skills upon the pitch is why, what, what made me not a footballer. I'd like it if it was I had a gentle fucking spirit. <laughs> <laughs> what's, that, what's that big overweight fella not made it as a footballer? He's just too kind. <laughs> oh, out on the pitch is like Pele. I actually think at times, like what you said that about where you smashed teams, Joe, and it was like, you know, you'd look at some of your teammates and be like, look yeah. at you giving it all there. You went missing last yeah. week. But yeah. I actually think that's probably why I didn't go on to win anything. I know you needed a lot of luck and the, the right team at the right time and all the right rest of it. But I did actually feel sorry for the opposition when it was like that. And just even as a, nice. even as a nice. coach, even as a coach now, I remember our first game when I set my academy up a few years ago and we played against this, this team and it's, it, this is what usually happened because we like to keep the ball. So you start the game and their coach is like, get after him, get after him. And after about 15 minutes when you're tonking them and you're just passing them to death, their manager goes quiet. But because it was a new team and we'd only been working for a couple of months, a few of our lads started showboating. Yeah. So they came in at the end with one, four, five, nil, whatever. And um, they were all like springing the step. I absolutely mullered them. I only, I only ever mullered this team twice. They won everything from that. Yeah. Under 18 team. I only ever mullered them twice. Once was that, because it was too easy in the end, because we got a lot of academy players at 16 that got released. So we got like a real yeah, nucleus yeah. of good players and they were playing against players that probably weren't good enough. So we had to move them on into um, men's football quite young. Uh, but we put them in an under-21 league again and they started off dodgy because lads were driving in themselves, they had sleeves and they're only 16, 17. And then by the end of it, 
we had to take them out because they were doing that again, taking the mick. And they were going to get kicked because they were against 21-year-old university lads where if you do it too many times, they'll come through it. And at the end of the day, they're going to stop learning because they're going to be injured for three months. But that's, I actually feel I never liked that part of the game. When players are when you, you're winning 4-5-0 and then all of a sudden these players start coming out and showing a little step over and yeah. you know all this, that and the other. Stick to what you know, man. Don't change your game. And that's what I like. That's what I like as a coach with my players. If that's in your game and you're Paolo Di Canio and you do stuff like yeah. that anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. fine. But if you're just going to start showboating when you're three or four, yeah, anyone, yeah. anyone can do it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's, do you know what, Trev? You're way too nice. Like, just reminded me of a story. I was doing my coaching badges in Tampa, right? And, you know, I like to think of myself as a, a nice guy and man, man of the people. But um, so you go off and you do like, you get your little team. So I had these 15-year-old American kids, right, who kindly come and was going to, you know, be my team for the day so I can coach them and show that I can coach. So I did it and then we've gone through all my tactics. I was up all night doing everything, all right? And it got to, the game was 1-1. One, one, and I'm at the sideline being filmed, yeah, and I'm screaming at this lad, this centre-half, because he ducked out of a header. Like, <laughs> and, he's, and, then he, and he's looked at me and I've gone, fucking head the fucking, go through it. Like that. So the, the kid's like panicked. Like he's, the ball's gone up. He's gone up for this header and he's just hit this geezer's elbow and the noise. He must have broke his nose, the poor kid. Oof. Like harpooned on the floor. I had his, his um, coach running on and I just felt, what have you become? I've just like, <laughs> like, because like, I wanted to win this game so but yeah. much. I've made this kid yeah. so committed. His bugle was probably going to be pointing that way for the rest of his life. And it was just like, do you know what I mean? But once the competitive juices come in, it's yeah. just like, it takes over, doesn't it? And I was like, as soon as I saw him on the floor with bleeding nose, I was like, oh, I feel so bad for him. I was like, his mum was on the side. Like, is, he, is he all right? And I, <laughs> poor kid, man. Bad man, Joe. Is it, what do you think, though, isn't it, with that competitive nature? Because yeah. it's like, if I watched you on the pitch, Trev, I, I, you'd never have known that you didn't. And, it, you know, it's sort of like, I think it, it's a lovely thing to hear, as like that, yeah. you know, that you are like that. Because, you know, any football team I play for, we're like, fucking useless. Do you know what I mean? I play for a Sunday <laughs> league team. Like, genuinely, like, you go, why are we fucking doing this? Like, like, <laughs> genuinely, like you, you both sit there going, Oh yeah, yeah, we got beaten. What? Well, you know, we used to turn up, and you, you could see, like, you know, I mean, it was a piss up, but you would genuinely think, "What is the point? We could just go to the pub. <laughs> We'd be doing that anyway. We just put ourselves <laughs> an absolute beast in." You know, like, it comes to the point where you're sort of phoning up people who've never played football because no one you can't even make eleven players anymore. So you're yeah. phoning up your cousin, going, well, "I know you've never played football, but do you fancy coming down and making it?" Oh, what is the point in this? What an absolute yeah, but is that not is that not football though? We yeah, just yeah, we yeah. all we're all at different levels, but we all love the game. Oh, I love it, love it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I sometimes, it, but I think as well as a funny thing of being like, you know, you both have played at the top, top, top level, right? I could go away going, do you know what? God, I touched the ball three times and I think give it away. Like the smallest <laughs> little thing yeah. becomes the biggest thing. <laughs> Soccer aid. Tom, we're yeah. training you up for soccer, mate. You're going to look like a, a young Diego Costa. Terrorising. He's got the He had to appear, didn't he? Yeah, I, don't the even talk about, I was genuinely hoping Diego Costa was coming to West Ham. That was my mm. thing. All transfer window. I was just like, oh, I please. think his legs have gone big, man. I don't mm. think. I think you've dodged a bullet there. Really? I watched him the other day a few times. He looks. I know, like he's one of them at times in his career. He's looked heavy, and when he's disinterested, then he just sparks into life and gets ten, ten in ten. But I think he's, I, yeah, I, I don't think that would have ended well. I think West Ham, 
as long as they've got someone to if Ant- they have to manage Antonio from now to the end of the season to get through they can they can they can do something. Just can't yeah. lose Antonio because he's so so important. Look, moving on to Carl can talk West Ham all day for you, Trev, because generally you're one of the favourite <laughs> people on, on social media talking. Thank you, But sir. moving on to literally one of, I mean, Joe's dying to talk about this. So every week we have a section of the show called What Really Happened. We ask the listeners to pick a moment from your career and we do oh, a deep shit. dive. So we're going to go there. It's 1997, FA Cup, QPR Barnsley. The ball comes over from the right. Oof. You're outside the box, you're back to goal and bam. Trevor Sinclair scores arguably one of the greatest goals of all time. Look at and Jeffrey. Yeah. Oh, no, listen, you look so well. uncomfortable with all that praise. <laughs> that was Joe. Joe, no, Joe. But no, 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 no. Let me just say quickly that Trevor's like, yeah, a little bit like uneasy with that praise. Joe, if I turn around and go, <laughs> Joe did this. Joe's like, yeah, 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 yeah smash it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the compliment dear. sponge. Yeah. Uh, listen, I was just listen. The dreadlocks. It's all about the because yeah, he was flying one. through the air. They're One of them blonde. <laughs> like, and then he, the celebration was just, oh, it was on point. I, lo- I loved it. it was, yeah. I, was just, I was watching it at school. And then two wow. years later, I was playing with him. Like, yeah, that's, that's how mad, mad it was. Yeah. Like, for, that's how quick it is for all them youngsters out there. I remember the goal like it was yesterday. Yeah, listen, it was, Tom, thank you for that. It was, um, it, it is great. And like, Joe, I remember Joe for many things. But especially that goal he scored for England in the Euros. Was it the Euros? 2000, World Cup. 2000, World Cup 2006. See, see, Just quickly, that's a point. Case in point. Never, <laughs> that's a great goal. You're like, oh, thank you, Tom. Uh, Trevor's like, I remember that goal you scored. Was it your World Cup, mate? World Cup, get it right. <laughs> bigger stage, far bigger stage. Yeah. But, but, but the thing is, <laughs> I mean, that. Just talking about the the uh, the way that I celebrated, that was energy, wasn't it? I don't even oh. know. I just went absolutely hysterical because you know what? It's one of them things, and, and Joe will probably say he'll back me up on this. Hopefully, in training from when I've been about, I remember doing it when I was like under tens, playing for yeah. Berry Boys. It's something that it's not something that I practice. It's something that if the ball's slightly behind me coming in from the right. I'm having a go at this because for whatever reason, my timing was right, my athleticism right, the connection I usually got in and around right. And I do it in training all the time. So it wasn't, I think the biggest surprise for me was that it, it happened from so far out and the, the, the actual trajectory of the ball, because I probably don't usually take it on board. If it's that, if it's more of a drill ball, it's easier to calculate where it's coming in and when to get yourself up and over. But for some reason, I thought, I'm having this. I must have, I must have been out the night before or something and still have cut. But um, it was it was just one of them where, you know, when you play golf and you're at the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen very often for me, but when I do, I feel, it feels lovely. It was like that. It felt lovely. And to see it nestling the top of the goal, it was, it, yeah, it was a really good moment. And it's nice to be, you know, like even 20 whatever year it, yeah. years ago it was, it's nice to be remembered for such a sensational goal, to be honest. I bet people still come up to you and talk about it, Trev. All day long, Joe. Yeah, All day. Yeah, That's the first thing, like, especially strangers. Yeah. But even like people who know me, Trev, talk us through that goal and it's like, seriously, behave yourself. But then like, just talking, because I mean, I can't, talking about great, great, amazing goals, I can't, you can't talk about them and then not talk about, and talk about Paolo, it's, it's that goal as well. Uh, Do you know, I've got a story about that, right? I nearly didn't get into the ground that day. This is, a, this is, so if you, I'll do it, I'll mug myself here. I didn't, Puffer jackets, I had a shot, do you remember shot puffer jackets? Yeah. yeah. I had a shot puffer jacket, right? And I, I got caught in the turnstiles. Oh, what, what, what colour? What colour first? I like need to a black one. It was a black one. I was hoping right. it was orange, but go on, crack on. <laughs> I got caught in the turnstiles, right? 
Oh, and I was carrying a bit of timber at the time. I get caught in the turnstiles coming through, right? And there's a queue of people. Obviously, everyone's trying to get in. I've been in the pub before, so I had a couple of drinks. Left it a bit late to get into the grad. People are pushing, going like, and I remember my old man going, get through. And then my dad starts rinsing me, going, um, here we go. Uh, Wimbledon West Ham. Here's a delayed kickoff due to the fact being, being caught in the turnstiles. <laughs> uh, it was generally like one of the all most, all, and for years, but this, this is before I was ever doing what I'm doing now. For years, people would come up to me at Upton Park or in a pub or whatever and say, walk past and go, you were that prick who got caught in the turnstiles. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. Um, Ash. But, but I, I was there to see that. And what, yeah. I, what was going through your mind at that moment? <clears throat> we were, listen, we were a good team, weren't we, Joe? You know, the players that we had and, and Matt Vivian Foley, God bless him. Um, yeah. I just remember receiving the ball. That's something that I... Listen, it, defend, at the time, I was still... I, I kind of got over my injury from my knee injury that I got a QPR. I was starting to get that explosive pace back and, and defenders didn't want to come in. So rather than me going and running out of space and, and kind of opening the gates and it going out on the byline... I started to kind of evolve my game and adapt my game a little bit where if they were off me three or four yards because they didn't want to encroach into that space and give me the chance to get wrong side of them, I started using that ball. It's a bit of a diagonal. And uh, Paolo, you know, Paolo was a brilliant pro and his pre-game chat, he'd say about different movements. And this is what I say when I'm coaching now to kids. So if you're a left back and the left wing is there, have a chat with each other. What's the movement you're going to do? If, he's, if, the, if the fullback's tight up, yeah, look, as I get it out of my feet, spin. and I'll put, So things. So Paolo would do this all the time. And Paolo said, if you get the ball and it looks congested in the right, put it over so I'll step in and just come away from it. And it's exactly what he did. And, and but, I mean, come on. That, yeah. I mean, the ball was all right. The finish. I, like, I look at my overhead kick and think, I can do that. That's something I can get my head around and, and do do the equation and bang. Yeah, so yeah. I cannot get my head around no. what Paolo did there because I'd end up doing myself, try, no. uh, attempting it. And he, and again, he did it in training, didn't he, Trip? Yeah. That he had yeah. that, like, he's right, Trip. Like, that's such a unique technique that mm. he had. Like, the, the, to lift off the floor with and 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 volley it while you're in midair, like a scissor it, like, bang, yes. outside and get that. He did it in training, and and I've played with some great players, technical players, some some of the greatest of the games. But that one thing, I've never seen anyone do it like Paolo. He did it in training multiple times. It was a joke, not for as far away as that. It was a yeah, joke. But to, on the angle to catch it, it's perfectly yeah. yeah, straight into the stanchion. And I think even, I mean, we've not got this kind of calmness about us because we just go, yeah, do lally. But he's calmness afterwards. I we celebrated. It's just, it just Paolo, man. He was a complete maverick, complete entertainer. Like I said, I loved I loved playing with him. Still got a fantastic relationship mm. with him. And uh, yeah, it was it was a <laughs> privilege to be part of that that move. Do you know yeah. what? I tell you, I don't know if I've told anyone this, but he used to like you know he's, he's in his accent. He used to call me bastard all the time. <laughs> 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 so, hello, hello. I'm fine. I sound Welsh here. <laughs> bastard. Hello, bastard. How are you? Right. And then. I didn't see him for like, cause I was always a kid to him. Do you know what I mean? He was the yeah. main man and I, like, I loved him and he helped me, blah, blah, blah. But he used to always call me bastard. And then I see him about 15 years later at Noble's testimonial. And I thought, I oh, might call me by my name now. <laughs> no, he still called me bastard. <laughs> what did he call yeah. me? I don't uh, know. Just like, he's just weird, wasn't he? Like, like he wasn't, he didn't like me or anything. I didn't think he did. He was just, he was just a peculiar guy. When he, different, yeah, like, he was just, different. Just wasn't a strange geezer. Like, hello, hello, bastard. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the fact that he's, uh, he also had to tell a story and go, yeah, I saw that Joe Cole 15 years later. Still not getting a hint. 
was still coming him off. <laughs> Joel, yeah. do you remember? Do you remember? Obviously, you remember Kits, but do you remember Kits's marquee move? The toe punt. Nah, when he the laid volley. come. Oh, the it's volley. Class, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. He had two marquee moves: the volley and the toe punt. Yeah. Kits. It was a yeah. joke. We had we had some unusual footballers at that club yeah. at the time. We just had just. Um, skills like Paolo could do that. Kitsy's volume was a yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, like I said, I've played. I've been blessed. I've played with some some geniuses, but there was some talent in that West Ham team. I tell you. Yeah, it was a good time. I mean, yeah. moving on to from just that West Ham team, just looking at that, <clears throat> like moving to England and two thousand and two, because that was a mad one for you, right, Trev? Because as you said earlier, I think you mentioned it, you went as a twenty fourth player. You ended up being. One of England's best players at that World Cup as well. You were, you were, you know, you, I think you played, what did you play? Four games? You played against Brazil? Four games, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I missed it. Well, it was, it was hard, Tom, because we first went to Dubai and there was like maybe five or six on top of the, the 23 that you expected to get yeah. picked. And then when we went on to South Korea, there was 24. I was the 20. I, everyone else had been named in the squad, but I was the one that Sven wanted to take along, but I wasn't in the squad. So I, it was weird because I was still playing in the friendlies, but I didn't feel part of it. And it was like a unique situation to be in. And I mm. hope that they, they wouldn't do that in the, from there on in. Because I, I did tell um, Adam Crozier, who was the chief exec at the time, and um, Sven, that I didn't feel comfortable about it. So I went out there for a bit, you know, felt like, you know, third third wheel kind of thing. And then eventually, I think I played against South Korea in a warm-up game and had a bit of a stinker. And I just said, listen, it's affecting me. I don't feel part of the group. Although I'm still getting you know caps and whatnot, I'm, if no one gets injured, I'm going to I'm going to be sent home or whatever. Can I go home to Chadwell Leaf, which obviously, as you know, was West Ham training ground? I'll train every day, and if anyone gets injured and you feel like you want to invite me back out, I'll be fit and ready to go. So I did that, and Adam was really understanding. So was Sven. Um, got home, had a, had a little recharge, little roll around with the misses, and by the time I got back it was time to go back out because Danny Murphy got injured and then I felt I felt part of it. You know what I mean? You feel yeah, part of the, yeah, the 23-man yeah. click. And yeah, I missed the first game, Sweden, and you, as always, we've had problems on the left, which me and Joe have put, been put in that position for England. And uh, the second game against Arden, see about 15 minutes in, Owen Greaves gets injured and um, Steve McLaren waved me over and like, as he waved to me, I'm like, I'm looking behind thinking, <laughs> where's Kieran or whoever it was or Joe and um, it was me and yeah I went on I was absolutely shitting myself and I was, like the thing I'd seen the flag because I was thinking oh I'm going to enjoy this thinking I'm not going to play look at that Hornchurch and Manchester <laughs> and the, all the flags and I was thinking this is the roof was on I was thinking this is the bollocks and then I was coming on I thought the only thing I could think of, do not let your country down. <laughs> I was shitting myself. <laughs> but I don't think I had enough time to properly shit myself. So I got on, I was straight into the action. And I think I started laying it off to Scholesy, spun in behind, uh, got a little bit of the better of the fullback. And uh, from there on in, I kind of grew in confidence. And yeah, it was, a, it was one of the, probably the highlights of my whole career representing England at that yeah. World Cup. And we did okay to get, to get beat off Brazil in the quarters. And uh, they obviously they went on to win it. It was a yeah, it was a, it was a highlight of my career. We were one nil up right in that game. Yeah, yeah, it was going to plan, going to yeah. plan, and then um, just before half time, um, yeah, Rivaldo, Rivaldo scored. I still, like, Joe, do you have nightmares? Because I remember they played in blue, and he took his blue jersey off, and he had a banana yellow vest on. I still have nightmares <laughs> about that vision. <laughs> <laughs> was it? 
What was the level like though there when you're playing? Because that for me was a that's a top Brazilian side, right? That was a very good Brazilian. You know, I mean, and we, we bet we were arguably first half we played. As you say, we was going to plan. Was it? We, I mean, proper pinch yourself stuff, obviously. But was it? Was it like being out there with like Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, and all these guys? Yeah, it was. Listen, it was. A, you could tell the level was up, um, and I think it was more obvious when they went down to ten men and we were chasing the game and we still couldn't get a handle on the ball. They just kept possession, yeah. and I think it just shows that. I don't know, the way they're coached, you know, to have that ability if you're in a tight spot and you can't get a pass off to drop a shoulder, even if you're a fullback or a centre-half. I think we're getting there with our P and the way that we coach kids and we, we teach them how to handle the ball a lot better. And even now, like you look at centre-halves coming through, even in the lower divisions, they can all play and step in and all the rest of it. I think we were just a little bit behind them at the time, even though we had good central defenders at the time. But I think we were just a bit behind them overall. Yeah. Um, and they were the better team. But, you know, the players that you're playing against, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, up front, they're from three. And it's like, yeah. I was watching them thinking, mm. wow, they're amazing. You know, R9 was apps. And he probably were at his best at the time. You know what I mean? He, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He'd had his injuries, but still that name, the gravity that them three names carried and the fear that they took to any opposition that they were facing was uh, insane. Yeah. T- tactically and technically, most of the, the major countries in Europe were ahead of us, I think now. Looking back now with hindsight, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. the way we was brought up to play football and the way there's still some elements of it in the Premier League today, but it's being phased out, it, uh, tiny elements of it in the Premier League today. But you should, the whole Premier League was 4-4-2, um, you know, get the ball forward, get into shape. It was all about what you can do off the ball. And how, mm. you know, nothing, no, no worried about, you know, players who can receive it in all sorts of pressure, play through the lines like like it is now. So yeah. looking back now, we, we was let down. Not we was let down. Our country just fell behind. And uh, from the sort of late 80s, early 90s, and we just were stagnated and we didn't develop. And then all of a sudden, I'd, I'd, I'd go and play for England throughout my career. And I think the majority of games we won... But we play against some teams and they just pop us off the park. And then I'd go, right, well, you play in the championship. You're in the Polish second division. You're in uh, Ukraine. And I'm like, you, you're, uh, and when you see them individually, they wasn't great players. But because they've been coached collectively to play this possession football and to knock it about and pass it, like what we do now, like what's second nature when you've got mm. John Stones, Harry Maguire, you know, you know, Foden, Mount, like we're producing these players now. That's why I'm so excited for the tournament because... We've caught, we've caught up, and I think maybe there's an argument because of the natural talent and the athleticism in our squad, we might have gone above a few of these countries. You yeah. know? And I think now's our, now's our time to do it. And I just think, looking back now, we were just a little bit behind Trev, weren't we? Yeah, in, in that I tactical agree. way. Yeah. I think that, especially when you talk about patterns of play and, yeah. and having a, a clear identity of how you want to play you know, at all costs. Yeah. So you, you look at Pep and you think, or you look at... Klopp, they're not going to change their philosophies yeah. just for a certain game. They're, Klopp's going to press. He's going to yes. try and squeeze the life out of the pitch. The starting mm. position from the keeper is going to be good. He's going to be ready to clean the lifting cup over the top. And you stick to task. No one's going to come off that. You look at Pep. It doesn't matter if it's the keeper who's got the ball. You'll have a, you'll have a centre-half on the byline there, centre-half on the byline. Someone will be rotating to receive it in the middle. You'll have your, your full-backs quite... They've got a philosophy. He's not... And if you do do really well against them. They've usually got a striker who's rapid where Edison will just go bump and he'll yeah. be in on one pass. So it can evolve, but he'll stick to his principles and he'll stick to that philosophy. I think 
both of them two play, both of them two managers, I think they're pushing, bringing our game up to scratch. And that's yeah. why, because we're getting the top coaches here now, that's what I feel mm. is going to benefit the national team even more. Yeah, no, 100%. So my last question just on that, that goal by Ronaldinho. Oh. And we, Trev, you're the guy, you're the guy with these goals. <laughs> Did he mean it? Yeah, I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think he meant it. If, he, if, he, if he's saying he meant it, then fair play, because I don't think he can question that brilliance that he had and mm. what an entertainer he, he was. Oh, yeah. You know, he probably mm. won't get mentioned too much about the best players in the world and uh, that I've ever played the game, but talking about entertainment. Mm. Whoa, yeah, yeah. He had swag before yeah. we even used the word yeah, swag. Yeah, he I was know. amazing. Man. Changed the game. Yeah, Changed amazing game. to watch. I mean, even when he used to do that little stealthy back control mm. instead of his yeah. chest, he was just, he loved football. Big, yeah. You can just see his big smile now. So, yeah, obviously to share to share the uh, platform with him in the quarterfinals was amazing, but I don't think he meant that goal. And if he did, he's on another level to me. No, I agree. I, I don't think he meant it. I, I, and again, he's a plea. He was, do you know what, what Trev? He, he was built like, Trev was a strong, fast, yeah. Yeah. Like, but Ronaldinho had Trev's strength. You know, we are talking about the arse, Trev's arse earlier yeah. on in the thing. Ronaldinho had that. I went to tackle him once yeah, at but Barcelona. Yeah, six foot. <laughs> no, but I went to I went to, ta- I went to tackle him at Barca, and it was like I'd, I'd run into Michael Essien. Like he's that kind of level of strength. Mm. Yeah, he was an unbelievable player. He changed the game. Yeah, yeah. What, but he didn't. He didn't mean that goal. No chance. And by the way, David Seaman gets a lot of stick, but he was brilliant in two thousand and two. Yeah, he was he? incredible. Remember it against Nigeria in that game against that? Argentina he was, as well. He was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. So, yeah. No, another one. Another dagger in my heart. Yeah. Tom, remind me of all of them today. You are, man. <laughs> right, let's move on. We're going to talk about the big game this weekend. Uh, and Trev, you've, 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 you've created a bit of a storm here, haven't you, for this City-Liverpool thing on social media. I mean... Well, do you disagree, Tom? No, I, I sort of do and I don't. So here's how I sit. I sort of... I get where you're coming from. Let's explain what you say, what you said first, and then we can... So yeah. basically what I'm saying is the last three, four years... I think Manchester City and, and Liverpool have been the biggest rivals in England. You know, I know Chelsea and Arsenal or Chelsea yeah. and Man U or Ch- even Ch- Chelsea and Liverpool have got a good rivalry over the years. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United against Arsenal. You know, there's been some rivalries through time and I think this evolves. Yeah. It cycles. Yeah. In the last three years, the biggest rivalry in English football is 100% been Liverpool and Manchester City. One, you look at the... P- both performances, they're both in first or second. But two, you look at other things that have gone on within them games. I mean, I don't think Liverpool have lost to Manchester City at Anfield since 2003. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, so there's a, there's a lot of history there. You look at what they did to the Manchester City coach a couple of years back. There's, there's a, there's a, dis, yeah, there's a yeah. I wouldn't say there's a hatred, there's a dislike. Yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah, it, probably fringing on hatred from the Manchester City fans just because Manchester and Liverpool's relationship isn't great. But I just feel the fact that they went and nearly did it in 2018-19 and were beaten by a point, again, that just adds to that rivalry. Last year, they blew us away. Liverpool were superb. And again, this year, I think it's between whoever finishes above Liverpool or Manchester City won the league for me. So I think that rivalry has superseded anything that's gone before it, as in for now. Listen, I look back and I, I know the Arsenal and, and Man United had it back in the day or yeah, yeah. Liverpool in their days. But now, in the last three years, the biggest rivalries in English football is definitely Liverpool-Manchester City. I, I think, I, I mean, and I'll make you right on, on, on the basis where you say now. That, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Because that's ever-changing. You go back a couple of years. Yeah. We've talked about it on this podcast where, and where <clears> Jermaine, when Jermaine was on um, and Joe and you know that Liverpool-Chelsea rivalry, you go mm. back to Arsenal-Man United. 
couple of years ago, it, you know, it's sort of, uh, I suppose, Tottenham sort of a flying there, sort of. But I suppose it's the thing is, the real hatred of that Manchester United and City thing is, that's the sort of thing that supersedes that, because that goes back. It's like Tottenham and Chelsea loathe each other. Arsenal and Chelsea yeah, loathe each other. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's, it's got more history. But I think yeah. if you look at, if you ask, like, I think the most people who replied, I've looked at a couple of replies. Don't uh, do that. It's not very pleasant. It's not very pleasant. But... The majority of them are Man United fans, and it's a, it's a, it's a lack of acceptance that they're not the, one of the main teams in England at, at the moment. Yeah. And although the size of the club is, of course, we know Manchester United. Yeah. You know they turn over so much money, but actually, they're they're not they're not they've not been challenging for the title for a long time. And I think it, that's a realization that they don't want to accept. And that's why there's so much rhetoric from Manchester United fans about that that message that I put out. But you, you know what? And I put a lot of teams, and West Ham in, in, included in this. If they get their, their starting eleven right, everyone's fit. We can all compete with anyone. Yeah. But like Southampton last night, one they had a few kids playing anyway, and on yeah. top of, because of because of um, regular games are be, having to be played because of the season that we're having every three days. So yeah. you're getting muscular injuries. You're having to rest players who potentially could get injured. But on top of that, sending off in two minutes. Yeah, it's just a tough one. To, that's not that that it, that doesn't represent Southampton. Mm. No, the no, real no. mates will say that. That, yeah. that doesn't. So, but Manchester United took full advantage of that, and they played really well. And you know, to go in, what was it, four 0 at half time, and then to crack on again with the second sending off as well. It all affects the, the final performance and result. But listen, Southampton, when everyone's fit, Southampton will compete with Manchester United. Simple but as that. Uh, you make another interesting thing there that I was because you know, so sort of away from it. But this muscular thing of like how that's having an impact. Like a couple of games ago, I'm watching Arsenal, and I'm like, wow, Tierney. Saka, these kids are looking, Arsenal look another level. Tierney's mm. not got a serious injury, it's just overplaying now, right? From what I've yeah. read. And then, so, so it's a weird thing of it. It's essentially going to be who's got the best squad, as silly as that sounds. Because your top 11 is one thing, obviously, it's a squad based game. But be, mm. being able to bring in, you know, for, you know, you think of City now, and you think City yeah. can, without, you know, probably lacking Aguero being there, but even with De Bruyne gone, you're not watching mm. them now. Yeah. De Bruyne is, for me, maybe the best player in the league. I think the Bruyne's up there with you know best players in the world, but yeah, I'm not yeah. City now. I'm not like oh you know oh, where's where's the Bruyne? I'm watching City thinking it doesn't seem like Foden stepped in. I mean I've, I I mm. think by the way Foden is just un- he's muscle, isn't he? He's un- muscle, un- special, yeah. Un- I mean mm. you talk about exciting prospects. That kid, you know, he has to, to play for England. He has yeah. to. He has Mate, to he is. get him in an England shirt. And get him <clears> in and play him and just let him because he's he's so good and amongst others, but he's so good. But getting back to your thing, Tom, about the muscle injuries, right? So yes, he's going to be down to uh, squad strength and people like Southampton and West Ham to a certain degree, if they get a few injuries in key positions, they can come unstuck. But this this always points to the direction though, Tom, who's got the best squad. And I think for me, you look at every position, apart from central centre forward, which Manchester City have struggled in and Jesse's, Mm. He's still a little bit underwhelming for me and he's not getting the record goals-wise. If you look at any position at Manchester City, they've got cover. Yeah. And the cover that comes in is all like they're competing for that yeah. position. So it, it doesn't sometimes you think, well, who's the who's the who's the right back? Is it is it Walker or is it Cancelo? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you even like you look at Laporte, he's gone in at centre half. Yeah. And I know Diaz is the main man and he's been brilliant, but Laporte's gone in there and all of a sudden he looks just as good. Yeah. yeah. So maybe Diaz you know you could say but even Stefan you look at Edison Stefan played a few games in the Cups and whatnot. he looks calmer than Edison on the ball with yeah, the ball at his yeah. feet and I'm yeah. like 
wow. So I think when you look at the squad, that's why I probably would say Manchester City are favourites to win the league, just because of their squad depth. There was people questioning Pep yeah, the yeah, last yeah. year, 18 months, right? Okay, so right, so so you've gone for Man City have gone for structure, consistency, um, not not hasty decisions. And now they're probably, in my opinion, going to be blessed with more trophies. They've won trophies consistently over the year. You know, and I go to, you know, my other team, Chelsea, and, and I look get, after getting rid of Frank. I know we addressed it last week, but when you, you're hopping from manager to manager, players coming in from the cold, everyone at Man City knows Pep's the governor and yeah. they know where the club's going. They, the, the, everyone who's signing players for them knows what type of players they've got to get to bring in the, down to. Pro- probably the people that are bringing the players in that they know where they're going to live you know it just sends me like a well-oiled machine yeah. and i'm going to say i'm going to throw a big comment out if liverpool win the league this year it's arguably as big of achievement from a championship winning side because of all the troubles that they've had all through season if they do that jürgen klopp tip my out to him it's the biggest achievement from a premier league manager to win it when his squad's been decimated like that and keep the momentum but for man city i just so I've got so much admiration for the way that the clubs run mm. from the structure around it. And and I personally think they'll go and dominate. I didn't think this would happen, but I think they'll dom- that they could dominate, you know, as the years go on. Because if they get Haaland, big man, game over. This is a Man City side that are playing incredible football. They look, the confidence is up. They've got a bit of pump about them. Mm. So... Who essentially who's going to win? That's what I was going to say. Liverpool can beat anyone on the day. And that's why they won the Champions League, because they were, for me... A, a cup side, a team mm. that could go into any game on the particular night or day and win that game. Nothing changes. They're at home at Anfield. They know they've got to be up for the game against Manchester City because of the form that Manchester City are taking into yeah. that game. And if they defend better than what they have, I mean, I think they defended pretty well against West Ham, but if they defend better and continue to improve, who knows, this, this new boy Ben Davis or the lad that they brought in from Schalke might be the bee's knees. If mm. they defend better... You know, Trent's been a little bit off it, but they'll know everything's riding on this game if they want to defend their championship. And uh, yeah, it's a massive game. I wouldn't like to bet on it. I don't bet anyway, but even if I did, I wouldn't know which way to bet on this one. Well, you haven't got to bet any money, but what we did, we are going to ask. We're going to do a little bit of predictions. <laughs> because let Can me I just say, say Tom, go on, mate. That's, that was seamless. The way you just took that straight into the next set. You know what that is? I'll tell you what that is, Joe. That is me. That's my version of a scissor kick from nearly the halfway line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. Listen. Do they I, do podcast awards? <laughs> they do, Joe. We're, uh, Joe. All right. All right. Well, Are we up for them or what? Mate, I'll tell you what. That's why, that's why I'm doing one with you, mate. You're Mr. Silverware. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, if, the, uh, if there's a party for that after lockdown, I'll Trim. come to the party. Oh, wait, <laughs> you're, 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 you, Carlton Palmer, Andy oh, Cole, no. Bougie, Cole, what a, Carlton, what a team motley team, crew. Wow. Carlton, Cole, that'd Carlton be a Cole's though. captain, man. He's that'd, captain be a quiet, that'd be a quiet bus. table. Oh, mate. I'm so excited for that. I'm going to revel in a little bit of a claim here. Last Fine. week, Joe, I yeah. had two right. And I, I called it United Arsenal draw. Yeah. Leeds to beat Leicester. I got West Ham. I thought West Ham were going to beat Liverpool. Yeah. I, that yeah. was yeah. with my heart a bit. You got none right again. Oh, <laughs> Joseph. Mate, right. I'm horrendous at this. I think this is, I arguably think this is the hardest week of predicting scores since we've started this right. podcast. So, first up, we're going to go. Villa, Arsenal. Villa. Oh, my guy. Joe, don't copy, remember? We've got a better better goalkeeper, Emi Martinez. (laughs) Um, Draw, draw. Draw. 
I'm, I'm going to go Villa as well. I okay. think, yeah, I just think they're, they're flying. Okay, next up, Trev. Wolves versus Leicester. I'm going to go Wolves. I just think the new man they, they brought in, I watched yeah. him the other day, Willie and Jose. Yeah. Decent. I mean, it's, that's, that's the long... Premier League this season. A couple of weeks ago, you're going Leicester all day long. And now yeah, I was at the West Brom game. They were poor. Yeah, Two yeah. Going forward. The Leeds, against Leeds. Yeah, mm. that's what I mean. Like, all of a sudden, well, that's one turn. player. Yeah. One player. No, 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 no. That's yeah. two players. Ndidi and Vardy, crucial. Ndidi's mm. a hell of a player. He didn't, yeah. did he not, he didn't play against Leeds. His he, limbs no. are a joke. Mate, he's he's he, got the longest legs ever. If you <laughs> I can't, believe, if, how effect, I can't I believe how effective he is. No, yeah, mate, I'm telling you, he, he's a top four player. No doubt. He, yeah. he needs to, you know, he'll be snapped up. So, Joe, who are you going to go with? Um, I'm going to sit. I want to sit on the fence. I'm going to say a draw again, only because I want to win. No, 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 because I want to win. I want to win. Mate, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Trevor again. I'm going to go Wolves. I'm going to go Wolves now. Right, finally, the big one: Liverpool, Man City, Trev. Man City, Man City. Okay, Joe's um, Man City. <laughs> you know what? Um, I'll take a draw. I, I, I think it might be a draw. I just think they, they might be a bit more solid at the back. I think without Aguero, I think he's back in training, but I don't think he's going to play. Um, I don't think we'll lose, but I think if we go there and, and draw, I think that would be a decent result. So, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Don't play for draws, Trev. No, I don't play for I just don't think, I'm not sure they've got enough going forward, if I'm, if I'm being honest, um, against yeah. the Liverpool side, if they are defending well. So, I'm going to go draw. I want to go okay. Liverpool. And you... You know, you know these big games that we've seen a few of them recently. They have been absolute two yeah, bob. They've been yeah. so boring. Well, and I've got a feeling. Yeah. I've got a feeling it, it's going to follow suit. I, I think your game of the week weekend. It will arguably. I think will be Wolves. I think Wolves Leicester will be a cracking game. Like mm. I look at that and think, so. I'm with you, Trevor. I, I sometimes watch those big games and it, they flat. I, I'm always terrible. I have a little bet and I think I was going to be over this amount of gold. It's going to, this is going because you're always hoping, right? You're always We're just hoping. feeding the bookmaker. We're feeding the yeah. bookmaker. <laughs> I'll get my own little back doing this podcast. We're getting a little bit back here. We're getting a little bit back for the masses. Trevor, it's been an honour, mate. It's been great. Oh, Tom, you're a genius. Thank you yeah, very much, you, man. No, really no, enjoyed no. working with you. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That was amazing chat to Mr. Trevor Sinclair. You've been listening to All to Play For, brought to you by Joe and Coral. Me and JC will be back next week. You've been listening to All to Play For, brought to you by Joe and Coral.